0: Well, I had something prepared for this morning. I was going to show you a video and all that, but uh, I've, I've kind of abandoned that. I've abandoned that, and I've asked them not to bother with the video. And I'm going to read a quote here by Mueller. It's in your book. But, um, and we heard this a little bit from our brother, Washer, yesterday. But George Mueller, he noted that in his day, the faith of God's people seemed to be flagging. That's my words. On one hand, they would say they believed in God, and we would all say that. But on the other hand, they could not wholly, fully give themselves to trust Him and walk by faith. Just, he just saw this in his day. And what he wanted to do, Mueller, he wanted to set before God's people something visible, To help their faith. Proof that God was trustworthy. He was indeed trustworthy, and that He still answers prayer, even in in our case, 2022. God still answers prayer in 2022. George Mueller said in his journal that I well knew that the Word of God ought to be enough. It's true. But still, I considered that I ought to lend a helping hand to my brethren. If by any means, by this visible proof to the unchangeable faithfulness of the Lord, I might strengthen their hands in God. And that is the big motivation of what we're trying to do here this morning. We are not here to give ourselves a big clap on the back. We are not here to do that at all. We are here, I hope, to be able to say, look what God did, and give glory to God, but also encourage the faith of God's people, so that as you face your own mountains and challenges, and we all do, that we will learn to trust God fully, and be able to walk by faith. That's my goal, because over the years, as I've been listening to these men, like Dr. Beakey, I mean, I remember it was even last year hearing him, but all throughout the years, And he would give testimony, these little snippets throughout the sermon of how God did this and God did that. And God brought this person in his life. Same with our brother, Paul Washer. He didn't mention all the things that I was, uh, I had in my mind that he's brought out in his sermons over the years. But it encourages me like nothing else to be able to hear, wow, wow, God did that and that's how that ministry started or that's how that's how the lord led you and what it does at least what it did to me as a younger believer is it made me want to prove god for myself doesn't it i mean what's the point of hearing all these stories if we just if it's just entertainment that's awful but Much better if we hear these stories, and like I mentioned yesterday in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12. All these stories, all these men of faith, men and women of faith, let us, having heard that, wherefore let us run our race. That's before us. See, these accounts in the Bible and in the Hall of Faith, and even from our own own, uh, preacher friends, and businessmen, by the way, which is why we've asked to have that. I'll have a little bit more to say about that later. But don't see that as, oh, that doesn't really apply. God is at work everywhere. I am so convinced of it. And it's beautiful when it all comes together. You can see it. It's a tapestry. It's not just with the preachers or the missionaries. We, we definitely see that. And they're, they're at the forefront. So don't get me wrong. But he is at work with the housewives... He's at work with the businessmen, the lay people. I don't want anyone to feel in any way that they're, in some sense, second class or inferior. That is just a lie that needs to be dispensed, dispelled, dispelled. So that is the motivation for me personally. I have enjoyed over the years being so encouraged and hear what we have with The Vault to me, is walking by faith. It's God doing something that is impossible for man to do because there's a lot of pieces in this. And it's walking by faith. So what is the vault? I've had a lot of people come up to me, uh, not so much during this conference, but certainly over the last number of weeks and months. They don't understand what it is we're doing. In fact, when we were putting it all together at the university, I'd have students, I'd I'd overhear students. They wouldn't talk to me, but I'd overhear students, I don't get this, you know, what is this? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that really don't understand it. Um, I'm going to do my best this morning to just really take it easy and explain what it is we're trying to do what it is that we're trying to do. Because the longer we go at this, Sermon Audio has been in business now for 22 years, approaching 23. The longer we go at this, the more and more I'm convinced of something. That we are becoming too vulnerable with big tech. Okay, we use our smartphones every day. We don't think about how it all works. We use Gmail, we use uh, Google, we use all these things. We depend on these, by the way, so much for our communication. We text one another, we email one another, we communicate with one another. Guess what? We depend on these as well for the dissemination of the gospel. We do. Uh, We're no longer mailing cassettes out to people. We're no longer uh, doing that for the for the most part we're depending on infrastructure that was created by other companies to get our message out to reach the world now we still have our local churches and we still have our local missionaries out there heart cry we heard yesterday supporting 300 missionaries that's that's incredible I mean that's that's miraculous and it's wonderful And the local churches, you all are part of local churches. And we want to encourage and help and support local churches. We believe in the local church. But I see that, if I can use this analogy, I see that as ground war. Ground war. And in any war, I believe you need both ground and you need air. You need ground support and then you need air support. You need air support. And what we're doing, we're not on the ground, but we're definitely in the air. We're in the air. And you need the air, I believe, to help the ground. And in this day, in the Lord's providence, He has allowed the internet to be invented for a reason. Just like He allowed the Romans' roads to be invented, not for trade and for uh, merchandise, or for the transportation of military, which is what they thought they were inventing it for. But the Lord in His providence, which is why in the fullness of time Jesus came, yes, to fulfill all the prophecies, but guess what was also happening around that time? All these things were coming into place. The languages, the Greek languages going out into all the world, the Romans with their roads. Maybe a hundred years before. Humanly speaking. It wouldn't have been as effective. Humanly speaking of course. But God providentially brings all these pieces into place. For such a time. And he uses it for the optimal. For his kingdom. Because this is all about his kingdom. Anyway. And I believe that we're seeing the same thing here today. I, I believe that. It's not just because I'm in this business. I think that a case could be made that this is the reality of the, of the situation. The internet came into existence in the 60s and the early 70s as an experiment between two universities. And the motivation, in case you weren't aware, was the Department of Defense. The military wanted a way to be able to communicate even if lines were blown up. Okay? Sounds like a a reasonable thing or a good objective. So they were working with these uh, academic institutions. That was the objective. Lines get blown up different places. Still be able to transmit your message from A to B. And the way that worked, ultimately, is that you had an inter-network of computers all around the world. Now it's all around the world. Back then, it was just very isolated. Can you imagine a world without the internet? I mean, that's, it's amazing for me to think about that. But back then, it was just a few computers that were connected via this inter-network. And so the idea was, if this computer went down or this line got blown up, well, the, the, the protocol itself would understand how to reroute itself from here, don't go there, go there. This one's still alive. You know. And it makes these decisions until it gets to the final destination. The protocol itself would understand how to do that. So even if the, the source computer went down, the protocol itself would still know how to get to the final destination. So that was the sort of the brilliance behind the internet uh, back then. Of course, it had military... Uh, motivation. But we know that that was invented for a much higher purpose, a much higher purpose. You know, you see all this infrastructure being built today, and it's a big business. I mean, they call it big tech for a reason. It's a big business. It's hard. They have hundreds of thousands of miles of cabling underwater, undersea cabling going all around the globe, in fact, they have enough cabling to go around the world like a hundred times. They have so much cabling going just undersea. This world is connected. It is connected. Every square inch of the globe will be reached with the internet. And all that Musk is doing with all of his inter uh, this, his space endeavors with getting the internet. In, in on those satellites, guess what? He intends to blanket even the most remote corners of the world with the internet. And we all know that, sure, there might be some commercial motivation in their minds, but to, to us, that's just an invitation for us to use that for the gospel. Isn't it? I think it's exciting. It's not like any other day that we've seen. This is unique and it's for our generation. This is sort of our this is our opportunity. And for us to be just naively thinking, well, you know, that's something, it's nice to have. No, no, this is, this is strategic. The Lord is putting this in place for us. And so what we're doing here with the vault, getting back to the vault, is we are trying to protect ourselves from being too vulnerable. Meaning, okay, we depend on this... Technology, but it's in the hands of just a few companies out there as far as the platform and the infrastructure is concerned. Okay. When I say platform, I just want to be real simple. Facebook is a platform, YouTube is a platform, Sermon Audio is a platform. It's a a place where people go to find things. it. These platforms are just websites. But they run on real computers. They run on physical CPUs with RAM and hard drives and cables and power going to them. They run somewhere. And there are these server farms that are hundreds of acres in size, these big tech companies all over the world. So... Your sermons, if you're on YouTube and Facebook, they they exist on some computer somewhere, on some physical machine. It's sitting on a hard drive somewhere. And the problem is that these platforms are starting to show their cards. We saw this in 2021. Don't have to rehash that. I mean, it was pretty stunning, actually. The coordinated effort to take down the influence and the voice of a president. It was pretty uh, unprecedented. It was. But what we see there, to me, is just proof and a precursor of what could possibly come for the gospel. Because the gospel itself is offensive. I mean, this whole world is about offense. Don't offend me. Don't offend well, the gospel itself—you just start reading the Bible. Never mind, you know, using language that might be "quote unquote" inflammatory. It's going to offend somebody somewhere. Just—and we're we're getting we're getting emails uh, pretty consistently now of churches saying that, "Hey, we just lost our entire library of three thousand sermons." One conservative, very conservative, and very well-respected Bible preacher, that they pulled off because of one sermon that was criticizing Islam. One sermon. And um, I mean, we're seeing this more and more. I don't want to fear because it may not happen, but I think it's just naive. Don't you? I think it's naive for us to just sit back and just assume that It'll always be there for us. And if it's taken away from us, we won't have a plan. We won't really have a strategy. Big ministries out there, let's say the Grace to Use and um, Answers in Genesis. I mean, we've been in communication with some of these bigger ministries. I mean, they have, they have plans in place. But what of the small churches? Do they have a plan in place? no. They they're they're happy enough to to just get their sermons recorded. Never mind, have infrastructure. And so we are here for the local church, the small church. And we want to help the smallest church to have a voice and to be able to reach the world. And so that's what the vault is. Okay? Sermon audio is a platform. We've always been a platform where people can go to this website and find sermons. But now we're getting into the infrastructure business, which, believe me, we don't want to be in that business. It's a huge hassle. Um, We're talking about machines that go down. We're talking about hard drives that crash. We're talking about something that has to be babysat and taken care of physically. That means we have to get out of our bedroom, (laughs) drive to a certain place, physically handle machine, physically order things and install things, and it takes time, and it's a big pain, which is why people have enjoyed so much going into the cloud. You just click a button, and it's done. Wow, I, I just created a new server. Just click a button. You can't do that if you have to run your own infrastructure. So two things is what we've been praying the Lord for, two, two big things and I see this actually in Second Chronicles too. I've been parked there for some time, and that is provision and people, two things. Second Chronicles two. When Solomon was building the temple, he actually was asking for those two things as well. And the king of Hiram said, "I need to have somebody who's cunning to work with these materials and who can uh, work with wood and gold and all that. I need a man that's cunning." I need people too. Cunning people, smart people, engineers. People that will use their gifts for the kingdom. That have the heart, but they also have the brains. The Lord gifted them. But Solomon said he also needed provision. He needs trees. He needed lumber to build the house. And the king said he would give him all that he needed. And he had the right man for the job. Well, we're praying to the Lord for those two things, people and provision. People and provision. Now the Lord has provided in an amazing way. It was three years ago that I first walked into the office of the president, Dr. Pettit, university here, and floated the crazy idea of Us being here on campus, which never happens, meaning we're a third party outside company coming on campus, never done it before. A venture, a bow drawn at a venture, right? And thankfully that day, I mean, it's forever etched in my mind, Dr. Pettit agreed, good idea, (laughs) Step of faith. Of course, there were many challenges along the way, but that was three years ago. And here we are today on the campus of Bob Jones University, and we've built out this space, and it's a miracle. It's a miracle because it's never been done before. The school didn't have the money to build it. We didn't have the money to build it. Three months after that initial, so when we first talked about it, Where are we going to get the money? We don't know yet. Three months later, get an email out of the blue and somebody introduces himself. Yes, um, I wanted to see if you had any needs. Um, End of year and we like what you're doing at Sermon Audio. Long story short, because it is a long story, my time is gone, but that whole space... Is paid for. School didn't have money. We certainly didn't have the money. It's paid for. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, compared to what we heard yesterday, it's, it's small fry, I know. But for us, that's Mount Everest. Hundreds of thousands of dollars paid for. So we're sitting in a space... That's paid for. And if that isn't a miracle, I don't know what is. Amen. But beyond that, we needed people. We needed people. And over the course of the last few years, God has brought to us people. I, have, I don't have the technical ability to put together infrastructure. I mean, it's hard I mean, it's not just setting up a computer. I mean, it's clustered computing. It is hard, and is not. it's not something that a lot of people know how to do. And I, and I know I'm going to embarrass him, but my friend from the days of high school, he was always there, always my friend. But all of a sudden, he came to the fore, and he's a computer guy, worked in a bank, works in a bank for 40 years, 30 years, Doing technical work. All of a sudden, he's the right man. Was there the whole time? And he's putting this infrastructure together by himself. And he doesn't even know, I mean, he's learning it as he goes. And so what you're seeing there to me, by way of people, is a miracle. But let me tell you one more miracle as far as people is concerned. So me and and my chief architect is what I call him, his name is Mike. We were talking one day about storage. Storage is a real problem. We're trying to get to a petabyte, which is 1,000 terabytes. And a terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes. But we're trying to get to a petabyte of storage. And we, we have no experience with that, that, that kind of capacity. And so we're going back and forth about what kind of technology to use. We don't really know. We don't have the experience. We take a step in this direction. We commit financially. And it's, if, it's a, if it's a mistake, you know, it's, it's hard to undo so we had this conversation on the phone, I remember, and we were going back and forth. It was at night, and we couldn't come to a consensus. And so we left it. The very next day, not even 24 hours later, we, I received a call from a man that I've never met before. His name is Brantley Coyle. You can look him up. He introduced himself as someone who said, I think I have a technology that you need. I said, um, really, what kind of technology? Storage technology. Storage technology. See, I'm thinking, I'm skeptical all this time because, you know, you know, people call. Who knows what, you know, trying to sell you something. So I'm looking him up while I'm talking to him. He's on Wikipedia. Brantley Coyle. Did you say your name was Brantley Coyle? How do you spell that? <laughs> this is a man who invented... The NAT protocol, which is the network address table, which is the protocol that exists in every single router on the planet. This was invented back in the 70s or 80s. He worked at Cisco. He invented the first firewall for Cisco, the first load balancer for Cisco. And I'm like thinking, why are you talking to me? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Shouldn't you be like some billionaire on a yacht somewhere? <laughs> but he's... Um, He's a Christian, a born-again Christian. He goes to an OPC church down in Georgia. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking the whole time, what is this technology? What is this technology? I've never heard of it. And he's, he's explaining it. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. But I'm saying, I think I'm going to have to get you to speak with our, our, our team. Can we Zoom you in? No, he said, I'll come. I'm in Georgia. I'll, I'll come. You're going to drive here? Yeah, I'll just come. So he drove to here to Bob Jones. I met our team. And he explained to us his whole story. He has this technology that we've never heard of. And it's never been adopted widespread. There's reasons for that we'll not get into. But long story short, and I could go on and on with all this. I really can't. It's so unbelievable. This man who invented, who's such a revered... He was in the Bell Labs when they were inventing the Unix operating system. I mean, this is a revered man in the technology world. And he's working with us on storage technology, which is not only faster than the industry technology out there today, it's cheaper than the the technology today. And so when we got his unit in for the first time, we were trying it out. We were testing it. Make sure it works. We didn't want to... Uh, commit ourselves too too quickly and we're just blown away this thing is fast we couldn't believe it his technology is gold and he's willing to work with us on the cost and all that and he just believes in what we're doing you see the lord is bringing people he's answering prayer And we haven't seen the end of it because we're just starting. The vault is not finished. It looks finished when you go over there. It's not finished. The presentation is finished. The housing is finished. We have to fill those racks with hardware. So we're just getting started. And many of you have supported us. And I thank God for you. I really do. But this whole project was birthed, was born in prayer. I was walking along the road. I was praying to God, Lord, three years ago. I can't do this anymore. Sermon audio. I, I, I was at my end. Again, for reasons I won't get into. But I was at my end. It was born in prayer. And it's been born along in prayer. We have a very faithful group of prayer warriors that meet every single day. And they pray like I've not experienced before. And you need to know about that. You do. It's unitedprayer.net. Now, these people don't pray just for the vault every day. It's not that. They're praying for revival. And we're mixed into that in their prayers. But this project was born in prayer And it's born along in prayer. That's the takeaway that I want to leave with you. It's all about what God can do through the simple, humble prayers of God's people. God bless you.